Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up on today's podcast, we get an update from those trying to escape Sudan. Plus, we delve into the early life of Turkey's president, and we find out more about a jewellery collection which could beat the record set by Elizabeth Taylor's when it goes up for auction. We start in Sudan and the scramble by foreign nationals to leave the country before it descends into full-blown civil war. In the Times of London, our correspondents share some of the stories of those trying to leave, some successfully, but others not, like Ahmed, a doctor, who was unable to reach the airbase in northern Khartoum in time to make his flight. He describes being stopped several times by people demanding money. Many of those stranded say they would now risk the fraught 400-mile trip to Port Sudan in the hope of finding a place on a ship across the Red Sea to Saudi Arabia. Fred Harter, the Times Ethiopia correspondent, describes the situation there at the moment. Things are much more um, congested. And I was talking to someone there who said the numbers um, keep arriving, but uh, there's not enough space on the ships. Initially, foreigners were being prioritised uh, being put onto ships that have been chartered by um, Saudi Arabia to be taking over to the Red Sea to um, to Jeddah. Um, and they were handing back Sudanese passports saying internationals are going first. Now there's lots of people sleeping in the streets of uh, Port Sudan, um, dwindling supplies, um, supplies in the city for those people. And they're just waiting for these ships to take them across. And um, so they, one person said that sometimes the uh, immigration teams from Saudi Arabia do turn up and sometimes they don't. It all, it's all quite random and they're not sure how they're going to get out. And they're for now just stuck there at that port. The article goes on to explain the reasons for the unrest and also sets out the concerns of the United Nations that the war could engulf the whole region and beyond. With a reminder that every single one of Sudan's seven neighbours, Eritrea, Chad, Ethiopia, Central African Republic... Egypt, Libya and South Sudan has been gripped by deadly unrest or conflict in recent years. Sudan is a huge country, um, something of a linchpin country in terms of where it's uh, situated in the region. It's on the Red Sea, already a big migrationary route. The UN have already warned that 220,000 people could flee into South Sudan and Chad alone. And if the fighting does continue and there is an increasing descent into lawlessness, um, it could be staying in an extremely bleak situation for Sudan and the Sudanese in terms of a large civil war. Why not take out a time subscription so you can keep across this developing story as it happens? 
For 20 years now, President Erdogan has dominated Turkish politics, but now it seems its popularity could be waning. In two weeks' time, the Turkish people will be voting on whether or not they want him to continue to be their leader. Now, recent polls have put the president neck and neck with Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, the most popular opposition leader, and it's looking likely the elections will go to a runoff at the end of May. So with his future uncertain, the Times Middle East correspondent Louise Callahan has been looking at the Turkish president's early life and his rise to power, writing a profile piece in the Sunday Times. She's spoken to his friends and family and told me what he was like as a child. So according to the people who knew him best, Tayyip Erdogan was this incredibly serious child. He was really, really devout. His uncle told me that he used to read the Quran all the time and he was always a kind of sort of leadership figure for the for the neighborhood boys whether that was through football or whether through religion from a young age it seems erdogan showed potential for life in politics and while turkey was dominated by a secular elite who wanted religion out of public life he championed those who were left behind because of their devotion to islam when he was elected president he promised that turkey would be a modern state where islam could thrive alongside democracy but Critics of the president say this message was just a means to an end. And while in power, he's become more autocratic, as Louise explains. So Erdogan went from being this sort of revolutionary character to someone who was increasingly paranoid about his safety, about the enemies that were coming after him. And in many sense, this paranoia is completely justified. You know, on the the night of Uh, July 15th, 2016, then uh, there was an attempted coup uh, in which rogue factions of the armed forces tried to take over the country and tried to, you know, presumably capture or kill Erdogan while storming the hotel that he was staying in. All of it and with many other events during the the course of his rule over Turkey have have reinforced an idea for, for Erdogan that there are people who are out to get him and that he needs to consolidate his power increasingly hard over the country. He needs to purge enemies, needs to retain control. And that's what he has done over the last 20 years. And you can read that article in full now at The Times Online. Next, can a virtual reality experiment stop train catcalling? That's what the British Transport Police are hoping to do. They're using tech to help teach members of the public to intervene safely when they spot someone being harassed. Officers will be going into train stations across the UK and handing out virtual reality headsets to passengers, showing them examples of intrusive staring, catcalling and persistent questioning. The Times spent today testing out the headsets with passengers. Why are you staring at me? Do you want to stop this happening? I think if you spoke to every woman on this station right now, including myself, you would hear stories of experiences of sexual harassment over the years that it's just been felt like it's it's part of society, it's part of normalisation and that that's something you just have to put up with. First thing is recognising all of those different behaviours that may constitute sexual harassment. Really, it is anything that makes that individual feel uncomfortable. So being aware of that and recognising how they could potentially intervene. And you can watch that full video online now.
She may have been one of Hollywood's most glamorous actresses, but Elizabeth Taylor was probably more famous for her eight marriages, as well as her stunning jewellery, which, after her death, set a record at auction for the most expensive collection ever sold, raising $116 million. But that record may be about to be smashed. I'm joined by my colleague, Amy Gill, who's been looking into this. And Amy, whose collection is it that could beat Elizabeth Taylor's? Heidi Horton, a name many people I'm sure won't be familiar with. Now, she was an Austrian collector and billionaire who died in June last year at the age of 81. To find out more about her, I spoke to Times contributor Charles Bremner. She was known to be a rather shy person, a bit reclusive. She didn't go out a great deal and she left the buying of this fantastic jewellery collection to her staff, really, to her private secretary. She sent them out to make contact with the jewellers and she bought over the years pieces from just about every single famous uh, jeweller of the 20th century. People like uh, Cartier and uh, uh, Tiffany, Bulgari, Harry Winston, Van Cleef and Arpels and so on. So what are some of the pieces in this potentially record-breaking collection, I hear you ask? Well, the leading item is a 90.38 carat briolette of India diamond necklace. Now, if the name didn't make it sound fancy to you, its history, I'm sure, will. The diamond was originally sold in a brooch by Cartier in 1911, and then brought by Harry Winston, who turned it into the necklace that Heidi Horton brought. It's estimated to sell for up to $10 million. Even with my limited knowledge of fine jewellery, I know if a collection features pieces associated with Cartier and Harry Winston, it's going to be a prestigious one. Overall, the collection is set to fetch $150 million, which will shatter the 2011 Elizabeth Taylor auction record. For anyone wanting to get their hands on some of these fine pieces of jewellery, the auction will be taking place in Geneva and online in early May. But if you don't have millions to spare, take a look at Charles's article on The Times' website. Before I go, I did want to touch briefly on an article that really caught my eye today with the headline, Not Just Maradona's Naples, One City's Incredible Transformation. Tom Kington takes us through the streets of the city's Spanish Quarter, a place where in the 90s, when Maradona played for Napoli, American sailors were told to steer clear and even locals were hesitant to run the gauntlet of mobsters, thieves and drug dealers. Fast forward to today and the successful reinvention of Naples' Spanish Quarter now seen as the epicentre of a cultural, culinary and tourism explosion. I challenge you to read this and not want to be one of the 11 million tourists who flocked there last year. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.